Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Zanus Radio Show. This is Sunday, February the 23rd, and it's exactly 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 1 p.m. in Illinois, Chicago, 11 a.m. on the West Coast. We are coming to you live via the Internet, and we're very happy today to have a continuation of the program that we had last week. Last week, we had... Uh, Madam jo- Doreen Grant, a breast cancer survivor based in Miami, Florida. In today's program, we have part two of breast cancer among black women with a special focus on Zambians. Today, we are joined by President Irene White. She is a leader for the Zambian Association in Chicago, Illinois. She is also one of our very own Zambians who's had to go through this uh, condition, breast cancer. So today she'll be sharing with us her journey from the time she got diagnosed and what she's been doing and what she's up to. So before we get into the uh, discussion or the interview with, with Irene, I just wanted to take this moment to uh, inform our listeners that Zanus radio show is actually powered by Zambia Block Talk Radio. Zambia Block Talk Radio airs every Saturday from at 10 a.m. in the morning Eastern Time all the way to 1 p.m. So we encourage you every Saturday to join the discussions which are led by uh, Pastor Nathan Kama based in Dallas, Texas, and also Open Forum uh, led by Roger Charlie who is based in Canada. So please join us on Saturday if you have time. And today, Sundays, every Sunday at 2 p.m., is the Zambia Block Talk Radio powered, uh, it's a Zanus radio show, which is a radio segment which is put together by the association leadership across the United States. The purpose of of our Sunday discussion is to focus on issues, challenges, and events that affect the Zambians in the United States. So we believe that when we work together as a people, when we put our resources, when we put our minds, we put our ideas together, we are better suited to find solutions and answers to the common challenges that we are facing. So that's the, a little rant about ZANUS. So again, ZANUS focuses on issues that affect the Zambians in the corners of the United States. And so I, I see that our, our, our guest is, has already joined us. Madam Irene, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Welcome, welcome, Madam, to Zambia, to Zanus radio show. We are very happy to have you uh, open the door into the events of your life 
and share with us. We are very fortunate that we have one of our very own Zambian, our very own Zambian who has gone through this condition, breast cancer, and she will be sharing with us uh, what she went through and just to, at the same time, to educate and sensitize our listeners out there so that at least you know what to look for, what signs to look for, and things like that. So, Madam Irene White, again, welcome, and it's a pleasure to have you on our show. So, the first question I have for you is, tell us a little bit about yourself. I know you are the association president for the Heritage Association there in Illinois. Just give, give, give our listeners a little bit about what you do there in Illinois before we jump into the, 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 our day's focus. Okay, good good morning and good afternoon and good evening, all listeners. Um, as uh, Noah said, <clears throat> my name is Irene White, and um, I live in Chicago. I serve on the Zambian platform in Chicago, which is Zambian Heritage Association of Chicago. I'm their president, um, and I try, uh, as a president, I try to see as much as I can how I can engage with my community. This is just the second month into 2020. So um, we have uh, lined up um, a number of events that we're going to have this year. So we've locked in the dates and the events that we're going to have. So we hope um, people can lock in those dates and take time off uh, to just enjoy their time with fellow Zambians and just rekindle on uh, friendship and you know family and stuff. Other than that, um, here in Chicago, I'm uh, I'm very happy to be around my siblings. I have we are five of us here, so we have I have two brothers, and we're three of us girls. So, um, and then we have a sister. Actually, we have two sisters back home in Zambia, um, but here we are five, and uh, pretty much all my siblings are in the medical field. So it's very it's very. Um, uh, I'm very lucky to have all my siblings in uh, in the medical field because sometimes when I get confused, I know exactly where where to run to. I'm a mother of an 18 year old awesome child. Uh, he's my life. Um, as everybody knows me, that I talk and brag about my son. I I have to because he's my son and I know him. He might not be perfect to other people, uh, but he's perfect for me. So that's it. I'm um, I do case management. Um, I work with HIV AIDS patients or clients, you might call them, um, and they are um, referred to me to the company that I work for uh, through DHS, which is Department of Human Services. And um, unfortunately, I couldn't be part of the HIV segment that we had a couple of weeks ago. But me and Noah intend to have another one, like a continuation, so I can now share my own expertise on that forum. Thank you, Noah. Thank, thank you, Madam Irene, for, for that. So before we jump into our interview, I just wanted to read some facts. And this is from the American Cancer Society. So it says, breast cancer affects more women than any other type of cancer, and it is the leading cause of breast is a leading cause of cancer-related deaths among women. One in eight people uh, are 
is going to be diagnosed with cancer in, in, a, in a given year. And the cancer rates affect mostly women in the ages of 20 to 59. And the other fact here says African-Americans have a 31% breast cancer mortality rate compared to other racial groups. So it just speaks to the need for us as black people, us as African-Americans, black people, to be fully aware of what are the signs, what, are, what do I need to avoid, what type of food do I have to sort of consume more, consume less. So we just have to be very alert, be <clears throat> informed of, of what, what we need to know. So like I say, we're very happy to have Madam Irene White. She is a breast cancer survivor. She has gone through this journey. So my first question, Irene, to you is, uh, t tell us, when were you diagnosed and at what age were you diagnosed with breast cancer? Okay, um, this is national. I mean, everybody is listening. You can't be asking me about my age. Everybody's going to know my no, age. No, we want to. We want, That's we want to know uh, I'm how joking. old you are. <laughs> no, no. No, I know right, for, for so, most women that's sensitive information, but you can give us. No, it's not sensitive for me. No, it's not sensitive. I'm a proud. I'm a proud black woman that's not afraid to share my age. So don't worry about that. Oh, that's one. good. So, that's good. so We're happy anyways, to hear that. Uh, so I had a lump in my right breast. Okay, it was very small, as small as a grape, and uh, obviously I. I could uh, feel it every time I was taking a shower, you know. Um, I was one of those people that were fully aware and uh, and uh, informed, educated about breast cancer, you know, like self-check and stuff like that. So normally you have to do those things when you're having a shower. You know, you when you have that private personal moment, you're supposed to do all those things. You're supposed to feel a lot of um, your parts of the body so you can see some irregularities so you can now share with um, with your doctor what you're feeling or what you, you found. So I found a little bump in my breast and I didn't take, um, I didn't take anything serious about that because I was on a trip to go to Zambia. As you all know, when you, you have a trip to go to Zambia, you're all excited. You wanna go see uh, your family. You wanna go have a good time. Whatever reason you're going to Zambia for, I was on that platform. I was so excited. So I was like, yeah, forget this bump. It's probably just something. And I went to Zambia, and uh, the whole time I was in Zambia, I didn't share with my family that I had that bump. And I had so many, um, you know, like nightmares about it. I would wake up sweating and mm -hmm. just anxious about it because I wasn't sure what it was, but I didn't want to spoil my vacation. So as I was, um, you know, enjoying my time in Zambia, I realized that the the lamp was getting bigger. Of course, I didn't share with okay. anyone. So I came back, and uh, it just happened that I had scheduled for a pap smear um, a month after I came back. So I came back uh, from Zambia, and I went for my pap smear, and um, she did the pap smear, and she told me, oh, everything looks good. Um, so just when I was leaving the door, I was like, wait a minute, I mean, what are you doing? You need to ask this question. That's when I said, hey, uh, I kind of have a bump. I told this story to Doreen and she laughed at me because I said, 
I kind of have a bump in my in my my right breast, but I think it's nothing. So I kind of told myself it's nothing. So I'm telling this person who's a medical personnel that you know I have a bump, but I think it's nothing because I wanted to convince myself <clears throat> that it was nothing. So she said, "Let me take a look at it." She okay. looked at it and then told me that you know what, this is not my area of expertise. So I'm going to send you to where somebody can examine it properly and tell you exactly what it was, what it is. Sorry, and that that's when my journey began. That was in 2014. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. So part of the reason I asked that question because I know most people uh, usually think that breast cancer only affects women after a certain age, like you have to be 40 and above. So I think according to uh, most of the research that has been put out there, it shows that uh, people, women younger, I think even like in most, most, some of the women have had, uh, uh, have been diagnosed with cancer in their 20s. So it's not, it's not, breast cancer is not just a disease for elderly women. So this is why we wanted to make sure, I mean, just some of these questions out there. So the next question, okay, Irene. For the age, at, did you want me to tell you about the age? I'm 52 right now. So in 2014, I was whatever. Whoever is good with math can do the calculations. But I just wanted to throw it out there that breast cancer is not something that people should think, okay, uh, statistics say that you have to be 40 and above to be in the risk window. But really, I tell mm -hmm. uh, every woman that, as long as you're a woman, you are at risk. So in case you are, you come from a family that, um, you know, has, a, you know, um, a trace of, like, cancer in your family, you are at risk. You need to go and uh, do maybe a clinical um, check and just tell the doctor, like, you know, my auntie died of breast cancer or my uncle died of cancer or my dad died of something. So they need to uh, assess you as such. But you shouldn't wait until you're 40. That's when you should start worrying about this. I lost a niece uh, in 20, I should say maybe 2015 or, yeah, 15. Just when I came back from Zambia um, after I was diagnosed. No, 2017, that's when she died. My bad. I went to Zambia in 2015 to visit, and I, I saw her. And then the following year, she died. She was only 33. She was only 33. She was a mother of two and a husband. So that's why I'm saying I urge all women to just do it. As long as they're a woman and you feel like you need to protect your health, just go do it. Good, good. Yeah, thank you, Irene. See, this is why we are having these shows, so that at least we are providing education to our listeners. So uh, the next question, Irene, is at what stage were you diagnosed with breast cancer? Um, I was stage two plus which is considered almost stage three mm -hmm. yeah so that's where i was oh, diagnosed okay. yeah so i was yeah so the treatment was uh was uh according to the you know like the kind of breast breast cancer i had it was stage two plus mm -hmm. and um it, it affected a lot of my lymph nodes on the right side of my you know under my and stuff so um yeah Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So I think, like, let, let me take you back to 14 years ago. How did you feel when you first heard the news that you had breast cancer? How did it sink in? Okay, so the time that I went to the – in 2014, anybody who's in Chicago or, or, or um, 
remember this. We had a friend who passed on. Uh, I'm going to mention her name. Um, she lives on in my heart because she was a, she was a real uh, she was a real um, support system for me. She passed on. She had stage four breast cancer. So that time she was the only Zambian here in Chicago who who was going through that kind of uh, uh, illness. So I was one of a support system. She had a whole bunch of friends uh, that were supporting her, and I was one of them. So the Monday that I remember very well, it's a Monday that I went to get my results. And the Sunday prior to that, I called her and I said, hey, you know, I did my mammogram and uh, it came out very, um, it, it had some irregular tissues in there, so they're worried about it. So they did a biopsy and an ultrasound, so I'm actually going to get my results tomorrow, which was a Monday. And then uh, she said, oh, you know what, don't worry, everything is going to be okay. Just give me a call when you get there. So me, everybody that knows me, especially my family, I'm a chump. I just don't go, I don't go with people and stuff like that. I just woke up, you know, prepared myself, did a morning prayer, and I said, you know, God, God, you got this. I'm your child, and you know why this is coming to me. So I went to the hospital, and, of course, the oncologist, who uh, broke the news to me doesn't have good bedside manners. He's not the oncologist. He's he's a professional. I I had to learn that later on that he knew what he was doing. But first impression, guy is not gonna put um, uh, a chemo um, regimen for me to be cured because this kind of attitude. So I complained to my my surgeon and my doctor. But anyway, I ended up finding out that he was a good guy. But, you know, in a nutshell, I called Wavei first. Oh, my God, I said I wasn't going to mention her name. I called my friend, and I I told her, I said, this is what's going on. I was crying. Of course, I was hysterical. And she told me, uh, where are you right now? I said, I'm in the doctor's office. She said, uh, can you sit down? I said, I am sitting down. She said, okay, let's do a little short prayer. She was a very spiritual person. So we prayed, um, and then after that, she said, okay, do you have a piece of paper? And pen. I said, sure, I do. I got it. And she said, start writing everything that I'm telling you. So she told me exactly what to ask the doctor. Every question, I hid it. I wrote everything on a piece of paper. And then she said, when you're done, call me. Immediately I was done, I called my brother Roy. And I explained to him what was going on. He was very hysterical about it. He said, you know what, calm down. It's going to be okay. Where are you? Uh, let me know when you're coming home so we can talk about it. So... um uh, the doctor came in, and I showered him with all these questions. I'm sure he was like, what happened to this girl? Two minutes ago, she was bowling everywhere, and now I'm here. She's asking me all these questions. He didn't know, he didn't know that my friend had already prepped me with all the questions to, to ask. So really, I was confused. I was hurt. I was, you know, I was, uh, you know, like, uh, it was just a moment where it was surreal. I was like, I don't know if this is really happening, but I was, I'll sleep over it and see if it's. I thought it was a bad dream, but that's what happened. Okay, no, thank you. Thank you. We we appreciate you sharing, ladies and gentlemen. You are listening to Zanos Radio Show, and our guest for this afternoon is a cancer survivor, a Zambian lady, the association leader for the the Zambian Heritage Association of Chicago, Illinois, Miss Irene Irene White. So the next question for Irene, the next question I have for you, Irene, is 
Is there a family history of breast cancer? Uh, in my family? Yeah. No, no, we don't. We didn't. Actually, um, one of the things that uh, my friend, my late friend told me to do was to do a BRAC test. It's a, a BRAC analysis test. It's a test that uh, will show if, you, if cancer runs in your genes, which I did, and it came out negative. So um, I was the unfortunate one. Or maybe I was, I call myself the, the fortunate one. Because if you know my family, like my sisters, I'm the strongest. You know, I'm the strongest. I can take pain. And uh, I felt like God chose to, uh, for me to have this because he knew that I can beat it with no complaints. You know, so um, we don't have that. And I think you know, we all know that if you come from, like, any African region, I'm going to talk about Zambia because I don't know about other Africans. We don't talk about disease like that. We don't talk about you know, like your auntie has such, such kind of disease or your uncle died of this disease. For some reason, it was a hush-hush thing for for us growing up. We didn't know why our uncle died. We just knew he died or why our auntie died. We just knew she died. So I think those are some of the things I feel like is an advantage for us, you know, us, I can't call myself a millennial, but us, us people who are living now because we have access to uh, the proper information that we can share with our children, we can share with our family and friends because we have access to that. Okay, all right. No, thank you, thank you. That's true, that's true. Yeah, because I know the the country that we come from, of course, the medical uh, records, it's not something that I think it's very much, I think it also has to do with the resources that the country has. I think I remember uh, each time I would go up to the hospital in Zambia, of course, they will always have those cards where they will just be searching for the under five card or those, I mean, I mean those. Uh, we need to see how actually the diaspora community can even be of help because our people are sort of lacking behind when it comes to tracking medical records. So I know you mentioned that you have your family here, and did you have a support? I know you had a support network, or let me not assume. Let me ask you, let me just put the question, because I know some people are having families, and that may not be uh, taken that there was a support system. So the question for you is, did you have a support network? If not, how did you overcome it? Okay. So, first and foremost, I'll put my family last. I'm supposed to put my family first to tell you what support mm-hmm. they gave me. But because they are my family, it's just, I mean, I come from a family. Everybody that lives in Chicago know that I have a very tight family. So, it's a must it's a mm-hmm. that they were going to help me. So, I'll put them first in the parking lot. So I would like to officially thank each and every Zambian in Chicago that rendered their help, time, prayer, resources. When I say food, everything was rendered to me. And that humbled me so much. It made me realize that I must be a very likable person for people to go out of their way to do the things that they did for me. This is just a community. I did not work for like three years because I was very, very sick. So I had people just walk. They knew that I was the only one at home all the time. My sister had to 
take up my job. She had to do double jobs and stuff. So I was home by myself. So most of the times, uh, people had access to coming into my house. So they would come with uh, fruits and vegetables and money and just immense support. I got it. So from deep down wow, me and good, from good. the Mukanda family, I would love to officially, officially thank each and everyone for the support they gave me. And I don't take it lightly. And I show it in the way I approach everybody in Chicago, whether official as a ZAC president or non-official as just a Zambian in, in, in the Zambian community here. I always show my love because I don't, I don't think, um, I, I don't think I would have made it without the love that they gave me. Two, the hospital support immaculate. I don't even know where to start from. So the hospital that I went to, uh, they linked us to, like, support groups. Of course, they link you to support groups regardless whether you have a support system at home or not. They link you to that. And uh, and then they expect you to, like, pick up from there, make friends who are, walk, you know, who are going through the same thing that you're going through. Um, I have two adopted daughters. Um, they're ladies now, They, you know. So the older one, Jane, um, she's the one who used to go to the hospital for my chemotherapy every Friday, you know. Um, she was just she wasn't driving at the time. I'll just pick her up from uh, home, and then we'll go to the hospital for my treatment. And you can imagine she's a teenager. She's not. This is a Friday. I was doing my chemo every Friday. She wouldn't be in the hospital waiting for mommy to do a six-hour, you know, regimen. But she was there. She would wait for me because, you know, you go through like uh, uh, they put Benadryl in your drip so that you can, uh, I don't know why they do it, but anyway, that's another talk show. But she would wait for me to go through the whole thing, wake up, and then we'll go home for the whole time that I was. So um, the support that I got from each and everybody that I'm mentioning, I, I hold it dear to my heart. Then the last one was um, through the hospital that I went to, I connected with, uh, I think there were like seven or eight women, and then I formed a group called CSFT, which is called, which stands for Cancer Survivors Fighting Together. So this group, we started doing lunches, we started doing breakfast together, we would cry together, you know, stuff like that. I'm not really a crybaby, so I'm a goof one. So I would tell them to come to my house, and and then we'll just dance and play old school. And then some who are still, you know, going through their emotions, you know, like um, because the doctor told them that maybe the cancer is coming back and stuff, would let them share their story, and they'll cry. We'll, we'll hold them, hug them, pray together, and then we'll all go home. So that was my support system. And I can never take that back. I thank God for giving me that kind of, uh, you know, network for for me to be where I am. All right. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. Actually, this is why I didn't want to assume. So, actually, I'm very, very happy that we have you on the show, sharing, because you are, you, are, you are uplifting a lot of, because I think two or three people have texted me, they are just happy that we are having this program. So, ladies and gentlemen, listeners out there, if you have a question for our guest, please dial the 319 
0809-527-6219. So if anyone has a question, or you can press 1 on your dial pad, then I will get a note, a notice that you want to say something. So if you have a question, I think let me do this. I'll go ahead and unmute all the mics. So if anyone has a question at any time, I just don't want to be the only one asking questions. So feel free to jump in. So while um, others uh, are getting... Yes. Noah, sorry, I, yes. I, I, I forgot one thing about the support system. Remember I said I was going to put my family at the end of the, the explanation? Um, my family, my family was nothing but support all the way, a hundred and something percent support. My family, we are full of jokes and laughter and goofiness and stuff. So most of the time when they came to see me at the, at the house, they would be doing the same things we do all the time when we meet, play music, drink, laugh, and make a lot of noise. So sometimes there'll be somebody who's there who has come to see me. They'll be like, "Hey, you guys, can you quiet down? Because we have a we have some we have a patient laying down here." And my brothers will be like, "Which patient? You mean her? Don't worry about her. She'll be okay." You know. So they never they never like uh, get a pity party for me because they made me strong. If they were like looking for little things like, "Oh my God, I really don't look good today," I was not going to make it. But they didn't. They make they made it sound like I was I was just going to get up and walk and just be you know normal again. So I love my family for that, and they still do the same thing. I hate them sometimes, but I love them so much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, we are happy you're you're sharing with us. Yeah. So the the next question I have for you, Irene, is tell me about your treatment process. Like, how long was the treatment? Oh. What type of treatment was it? Boy, oh boy, my treatment. This is the part where I become very emotional about this because um, I was considered um, a model patient because when I hit, when I did the first chemo, I think the second session of my chemo, I, I hit early menopause. And then after that, I hit all the side effects that you can ever think about, all of them. But I never, mm-hmm. not even one day, walk around with no smile on my face. I used to go to the hospital for my chemotherapy. I wish my friend um, Pat would have been on the phone to tell you. I used to walk in the chemo um, room because a, a chemotherapy room is just a, a room with a lot of beds. So you go there, you sit, they give you like a, your own sitting area that's attached to a you know, the equipment that they use for the chemotherapy. But I used to go there wearing heels. I had lipstick on, and I just didn't want to feel sick at all. So this lady used to watch me do that all the time. That's how me and her became friends. She started asking me, like, I want your energy. Where do you get this energy? I'm like, I don't know. I just don't want this energy to go away. So really, I had Mm -hmm. two sessions of chemotherapy, and uh, the first session was so harsh that they had to uh, put a break on it. They they um, they had to stop it for a little bit. I think for two weeks they didn't do it because I was getting I was getting very sick. And um, and then after that they continued. Then when when that one was over, I did another session of chemotherapy, 
And then uh, during that time period, I think it's the first chemo that I did when I was uh, having, um, uh, uh, they would give me an injection um, every, every, the day after the, the day after chemo. They would give me an injection mm-hmm. to replace my, as you all know, when, when you're going through chemotherapy, actually, you know, affects your white blood cells and your red blood cells, all the good cells. He doesn't yeah. know which one is good yeah. and which one is bad. So um, it just hits it all. So my, they, they, um, they would give me this injection to replace my white blood cells so that I can fight it again, you know. Um, so it, it took a long time, but I did it. And then after that, they gave me, I did uh, 16 weeks of um, 16 weeks or whatever weeks it was of uh, radiation every day. Every day. Oh, okay. I'll go into radiation continuously for the time that I, I finished it. Yeah, so that was, and then I had so many surgeries. Um, I had, of course, I had lumpectomy. People know what it is. Um, with my lumpectomy, they had to take like half of my breast out and um, my doctor was a genius, so she didn't want to do the mastectomy, which is the removal of the whole breast. So she, she had this idea of, she, she was in love with my boobs. She was like, oh, my God, you have very nice boobs. I'm, being, I'm, a, I'm a, um, a breast cancer survivor, and I'm not afraid to talk about, you know, things like that. No, we, we are we are all listening. We are me. all smiling now. We are, we are, we are yeah. listening and we are happy to hear that. <laughs> because this is this is part of me, so I'm not gonna hide this thing. So she would joke around with my my uh, breasts, and she's like, "Oh my God, you're very nice. I don't even know where to cut them." You know, she would just make those kind of jokes so that I could laugh. But anyway, she did a lump thing mm-hmm. to me, and then uh, she said, "When you heal, I'll tell you what we're going to do." So instead of doing a silicone on my on my right side, she decided to take my own body tissues and part of it came from the left breast to build the other breast. So uh really uh that's the reason why I'm I'm still you know, they're not my they're not exactly the way they were before because they've been tampered with. But uh she did a good job. And I would recommend her anytime. You know? Um oh. so that's what yeah. I went through. And, of course, so many other good, good. surgeries. Like I said, they took, like, 26 lymph nodes out of my right side in my armpit. So mm-hmm. I don't have a feeling in my right side of my arm. So, like, from uh, from the elbow going up until, until you get mm-hmm. to my armpit, I don't have a feeling. You can pinch me, do whatever. I can't feel it. But my wrist, my right wrist works, but though my right hand is weaker than the left, so I don't usually use my right hand all the time, unless if I'm like um, writing, just light things, but not if I don't really use my right. Oh, okay. No, we appreciate you sharing because, like I say, we are opening up a, a door to your, I mean, into your life. So if there, there are questions that you feel uncomfortable, I mean, answering, so please feel free to to let me know. At this point, we'll go to Bella. Bella has a question. Go ahead, Bella. Hi, Bella. Uh, I, th- I think it could be muted. Okay, uh, all right. Yeah, go ahead, sir. 
Oh, yes, I was going to ask that uh, in terms of like breast cancer, mostly hear about it in women, but I've heard cases of men being diagnosed with breast cancer. Can uh-huh. you touch a bit on that? Because I rarely hear of anyone saying I have breast cancer and they're also a male. Like, is there any advice okay. you can give to men? I don't know about I breast just, cancer and men. Yes, there is. I think statistics say that it's about 2%. It's very rare. But, for, you know, for some funny reason, the time when I was going through uh, the second chemotherapy, there was a, a, a gentleman that used to come for the same, uh, you know, like uh, the same treatment that I was, I was taking. And I was curious. I, I asked the doctor, the nurse, the nurse in charge, in charge, sorry, I was like, why is that man in our wing? I mean, I thought this was just for breast cancer. I was very nosy. And then she was like, oh, he also, uh, you know, tested positive for stage one plus uh, breast cancer. So that, I think, uh, for men, I would say um, you should go and ask the doctor if you come from a family that has, uh, you know, a history of breast cancer or a history of cancer, period. So you can ask them, especially if it's breast cancer, you can say, you know what, my mom died of breast cancer, and I'm not sure if uh, I should be worried about it. Should I worry about it or I shouldn't worry? They will be able to advise you, but yes, it's 2% of men. Um, I could be wrong, but it's 2% of men that um, uh, are likely to have breast cancer. Okay, all right. Yeah, so you're listening to Zanu's radio show, and our special guest is Irene White. She's a Zambian lady, a cancer survivor. She is just sharing with us from the time that she was diagnosed with breast cancer, uh, the process, the treatment, and everything that she went through. So if anyone has a question out there, I have unmuted all the mics. If anyone has a question, you just feel free to jump in. Uh, to ask your question. Oh, yeah. Anyone um, with a question? By the way, I wanted, whilst we were waiting for somebody to ask, I meant, I meant to uh, say, because I want to be, be transparent with some of these things, uh, the injection that was given to me to replace my white blood cells or to replace, um, you know, whatever uh, cells that were damaged through the chemo, is uh, a nulesta. I think they called it nulesta shot. So you take it a day after chemo because they can't give it to you the same day. So you do the chemo and then the following day you go and get the nulesta shot. It had its side effects which, which um, were very, very acute because it affected your bones. So sometimes, uh, most of the times when I did the nulesta shot, I barely wouldn't walk. You know, I can't, like a baby, how they start walking. Mm-hmm. Uh, they told me how to uh, keep up the pace, like you keep on walking every day, um, and then you pick up until finally I start walking again. But it was scary because sometimes when it hit me, I'll be like, you know what, now I can't walk. Maybe I'll never walk again. But something in me just used to tell me, listen to the doctors, pray, listen to the doctors, pray. So I did those two. I was one of those people that listened attentively to what the doctors were telling me. I would come back. I would um, use that and add it to my prayer, and boom, I was up and about. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. Yeah, so ladies and gentlemen, again, all the mics are unmuted, so if you have a question, you have a comment, you want to say something, feel free just to jump in. Yeah. 
Any questions from anyone out there? Don't be shy. Don't be shy. All right, so if uh, no one is ready with the question, so uh, I have a question for you, Irene. Were there any programs or services offered to you that would help with the treatment process? Um, yes, so of course. Um, you know, that's the, that's the privilege of living in a, a country like here, okay, because you, mm-hmm. you have access to so many resources, that are readily available for you. All you need to do is look at them and see which one fits you, you know. Uh, I've been privileged to take part in so many things here in Illinois. I've been uh, I've been an ambassador for the Illinois uh, lottery tickets. If you guys know those uh, lottery tickets that have a pink uh, ribbon, breast cancer ribbon, those scratch ones, the ones that you scratch, but they have like a pink ribbon. Mm-hmm. I'm an ambassador to that. I was one of the people that pioneered to do that, um, to get funds to go, to go through that. Um, I've been on WGN to talk about breast cancer and stuff like that. This is just, I'm talking about here. So there's been a lot of things that I was exposed to. Um, we've done the breast cancer walk. Um, and uh, what else did I want to say? Then when we were still, when I was still going for treatment at uh, Mercy Hospital, I was introduced to this lady that was doing uh, feel good, uh, look good, feel good. So it was a program that she decided to uh, start to help uh, women who are going through cancer to start feeling good about themselves. So she would have a uh-huh. beauty session where she would teach you how to like put on makeup that's not uh, very uh, stained with dyes and stuff. You know, so you can start feeling good, and then she'll give us all these um, big, you know, like uh, beauty pack packages that had everything that you need in there, uh, from uh, pencil liners to because you know when you're going through chemo, you lose all your hair. So I lost all my hair, you know. Uh, so she'll give you uh, that package that had all that stuff in there, and um, and it was good stuff. I had never owned a Chanel. Um, a Chanel eyebrow pencil, and I had one. I was like, ooh, I was telling my sister because she's always, like, <laughs> buying all these expensive things. I'm like, mine is free, you know. But that's one oh. of the things that, yeah, advantage for us because we are in America. We are in, in uh, the Western world. We are, um, we are on an advantage uh, uh, side of uh, the world, so we should learn to give back to the third world countries, our own countries, because we had access to this, they don't have. Okay, good, good, good. Thanks for sharing. So my, now my next question is on the products. What advice do you have concerning products that you feel, based on your experience, again, I know you are not a medical doctor, but we are sort of discussing on a Zambian level because we know, uh, for instance, the CDC it's focused on the prevention of diseases for Americans. And when you look at if somebody lives in Pakistan, the food that they eat in Pakistan and the food that they eat in America, they're different. So the, the disease control in Pakistan focuses on uh, overcoming diseases from the standpoint of Pakistan. For the United States, if you look at a standpoint from the United States, it's focusing on how to prevent diseases in the United States and looking at what is eaten in, in the United States. When you look at in us coming from Zambia, for the most part, 
part our staple food is main. We eat sisima. We eat, I mean, all the carpenters, the fish, the tilapias, and all that stuff. So what product would you say you would caution people to stay away from? Or, and also, what type of uh, other cosmetics program, because I think uh, there is some research which also shows that uh, there are some products that I think people need to be mindful. So based on your experience, what would you say to that? You know what, um, because uh, I'm not an expert in that, I wouldn't want to answer a question and then mislead people because I would say, you know, things that I know or, and what I can say to everybody is that once in a while as a woman, um, Google these things, maybe you Google CDC, uh, which is the Center for Disease Center, you, you, you just Google it and ask questions there. There's always somebody in the chat room. Ask these questions to be informed. You know, like what foods to stay away from. But what I can tell you is that do not put your phone in your bra. Because I know women have a tendency of when they're doing things, they take the phone. I used to do that. I don't know if I did it before mm-hmm. I got it or after, but I would put my my uh, my phone in the in the bra and you know do do all kinds of things in the house. You know, we are multitaskers. So you don't want to put the phone down at the same time. You want to be on the phone so you can keep up with, you know, your little gossip with your girlfriend. But at the same time, you are doing household chores. So stay away from putting your phone in your bras, and that's the number one thing that I know, which is just common sense. But when it comes to, like, food or products that you you shouldn't be using, I think you should go to the American Cancer Society uh, website and check that out if you live in America. If you live outside America, like you're in Zambia, there's a, I'm sure there's a link to a website that has those things. If not, feel free to ask. You know, I have a lady who works at UTH. She's brilliant. She's she's on top of it with these with this information. You can just call her out and say, Hey, I'm worried about this. What do you think? That's that's the reason why they are there is to give you information that's going to be helpful for you. Yeah, you're listening to Zanus radio show. If anyone has a question, feel free. Uh, the mics are all unmuted. Feel free to jump in at any time. So according to the American Cancer Society, some of the products that they put out there, one of them is skin lighteners. They caution especially black people uh, to be very mindful about the skin lighteners that they use and also the other product that they put out is hair relaxers. And the, the other one is fragrances. So these, some of these products contain mercury. And mercury has been associated with all kinds of uh, conditions. For instance, mercury is easily spread on different surfaces and may adversely impact not only the individual who uses the product, but other family members, because uh, this product has been linked to problems including the nervous system, the reproductive system, the immune system, and the respiratory system. So we need to be very mindful, and of course, uh, Irene White, she's right, those who have access to the internet, make sure you are constantly checking and reading up on some of the products that you may want to stay away from. 
And for those, unfortunately, who don't have access to the Internet, uh, this is why we are having programs, programs like this, so that at least we can talk about uh, uh, bringing guests like Irene White, somebody who has gone through the treatment, and so that you can learn mm -hmm. first-hand knowledge from somebody who's been there. So my next question, Irene, I know we are sort of running down on time. So let's go to what message would you like to provide to women in the community? In uh, I'll, I'll, That one I can address uh, to whole communities, which is uh, the Zambian community here in, in America and the Zambian community, of course, back home, because I have... Um, I started a page called Pink Love, and there's a reason why I started that page, um, is to uh, share info information with you ladies on uh, prevention, you know, uh, of uh, breast cancer. And one of the biggest things that I'm, I'm, I'm advocating for is uh, early detection, because early detection is the best cure to uh, uh this breast cancer um, epidemic. So if you ask anybody who's in the medical field, that's what they're going to tell you. If you're on top of the game with your health and you know you are a woman and you know you fall under the, the risk window, you should just get up and go. It's free to go and ask a question. It won't kill you. It won't, it won't, even, won't make you less of a woman. Go and ask this question to say, hey, can I do? I'm going to do this. I want. I want to do a mammogram. They'll be able to help you, and that's probably why I'm. I'm advocating for this pink club because a lot of women are sitting on um, time bombs. We're sitting on time bombs because things are happening in our bodies and we don't know. As you all know, breast cancer is not visible. It's not like you're walking around and anybody can tell that you have breast cancer. Over, even yourself, when you take off your clothes and you're in the mirror trying to get dressed, you won't see it. Sometimes it doesn't come as, doesn't come as a lump. I was lucky because it was a lump that I could feel, I could touch. Some, it doesn't come as a lump. So if you don't know those things, that's the reason why when you do end up going to the hospital for um other things like, oh, you're always uh, fatigued, you have a constant headache or whatever things that you're going through, and then you go to the hospital, they do all kinds of tests, and then boom, they tell you, I'm so sorry you have breast cancer. Most of the time, it's in the last stages because you've been sitting on a time bomb for a long time. So I'm trying to advocate for uh, either free mammograms in Zambia or a sliding scale for mammograms because they have to do them yearly. Apparently right now, uh, I think, if I'm not mistaken, mammogram in Zambia is about uh, $14. Um, I'm not very accurate, but it's about there, $14 per person to do mammogram. So I'm thinking, me who's in America, $14 is about um, 2000 something, 2300 quarter, 2200 quarter. that, you know, a woman who has four or five children uh, is looking at a bag of millimil, which is going to cost her uh, 180 kwacha. Why, why is she going to take 
the little $14 that she has to go and do a mammogram that she doesn't even know if she they're going to tell her that there's uh, some irregularities in your breast or you're good to go. So the priorities are like she has to weigh them. My children go hungry or I go and check out my health. But if these, this information is uh, spread out in the country, just like HIV has been uh, uh, doing for all the um, regions in Africa or in Zambia per se, people will have access to this information and they will know that early detection is the best key. So Pink Lab is working tirelessly to see how mammograms are going to be almost free so that women, we can save our women, we can save our mothers, our sisters, our nieces, because they're dying in numbers. I am, I am an, um, people call me from all over. I'm sure they, uh, um, uh, Noah, you know about this. A lot of people call me as a support mm-hmm. system. They call me and tell me, Irene, my sister is, uh, has been diagnosed with breast cancer. She's having a hard time, you know, like grasping that whole idea. So please talk to her. I've been talking to so many people. And the, the saddest part of this whole thing is the majority of them have passed on. And then I'm left with this burden. It's, it's a very heavy burden. But I told myself, instead of feeling sorry and just, you know, pouting and, uh, and uh, uh, not doing anything, let me do something. You see the difference with uh, cervical cancer and, uh, and breast cancer. Cervical cancer, the, the machinery that they use uh, to, uh, to detect whether you have breast, uh, cervical cancer are affordable. They're not like mammograms. They still are expensive, mm-hmm. but they're affordable. But for mammogram, you have to have the whole big machine to do all those, uh, uh, you know, photos things to, to see in your breast if you have. The, the country cannot afford all those things. So now, as, as, a, as a matter of fact, I think UTH and other few hospitals are the only ones that are doing mammograms, and they still have to pay $15 or $14 uh, for, for screening. So we are gunning for either... Uh, sliding scale or or free. So that's my job to make sure that I tell every woman, please don't sit on um, on a time bomb. Go and have a screen check and make sure you know yourself, know your body, and be confident with it. If you see me, if you see me walking around, I don't pout. I don't walk with my head down. I've been beat down by just about everything, but I never let that win. I'm just one woman that if you see me, you think nothing has ever affected me. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a test. I can give you a testimony of my survivor for breast cancer. I can give you a testimony of being abused physically. I can give you um, uh, a testimony of being abused sexually. So all those things are things that are very toxic to a woman, but I don't let them win. I tell myself, God, God must have saved me. Stand here and talk to women and help women out there who don't have a voice. And that's the reason why I agree to do these things, because I'm very passionate about it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we can see the passion, I think. I mean... Uh, you and me, we work together on a number of projects. I know your passion and your dedication towards just making a difference in our communities. 
ladies and gentlemen, especially for the ladies, we encourage you to have at least one mammal, I mean, annual mammogram, I think. I mean, if you are feeling something in your breast, some of the signs could be a lump or mass in your breast, swelling or, or part of your breast or maybe just the whole breast, skin irritation. There could be breast or nipple pain, nipple retraction, nipple or breast skin appearing reddish or scaly or thickened. So these are just some of the symptoms or signs that you have to watch for. But again, we're not medical doctors up here. We're just trying to talk about some of the obvious signs for possible breast cancer. And this is why we brought in uh, Madam Irene White to share her journey, what she went through, what she knows. And the purpose of our show is not to substitute you going to a doctor. The purpose of our show is just to provide a little bit of education and sensitization to our people, of course, in the United States and everywhere else, so that at least you go to your doctor or go to your clinic and just get a, a, a screening. Because we want you to be healthy, and the only person who is in charge of your health is not the doctor, is yourself. So I know most of our people may be limited on time, uh, to visit these health centers for for checkups, but please make sure that you take time to visit the health professionals so that they'll at least tell you where you stand. All women, especially about 40 years, make sure you go for a screening. So now we are just down to about three minutes, Irene. Any last words of wisdom to our listeners? Okay. I'm an open book, so I'm urging any woman out there that has questions and they feel, you know, like they can't openly ask these questions on the air, feel free to get the number from either Noah or you can get it from the forum and call me privately and ask me these questions, and I'm going to give you the best answers that I can, and I'll help you with whatever, you know, avenues that you want to, like, sift through feel free to talk to Noah and tell him that, you know, uh, we want another segment of uh, breast cancer talk, and we would definitely bring some more survivors. We'll bring some people who are going through it right now. Some people are confused, and maybe this time we're going to bring even the caregivers of the ones that have passed on and they want to talk about it because breast cancer is not just for me. The people around me, they suffer through, through it too. So the ones that are around me might have uh, something to say about it. And and make sure that if you know anybody that's going through this, be a great support system for them. Hold their hand. Tell them it's going to be okay. I, I have somebody who actually met me after like a, a long time, and he said, oh, my God, you've put on so much weight. That hurt me because it's not my fault that I put on weight. It's because of all these changes that are in my body that are making me, you know, balloon up. But I walk with confidence. I didn't let him break me. I just laughed, uh, laughed it off, and I, I said, you know what, I'm going to empower somebody else. Please empower each other. Okay. Hold your, yeah, hold your friend's hand and tell them it's going to be okay and pray with them. Okay. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, Madam Irene. Ladies and gentlemen, you've been listening to Zanos Radio Show, and our guest has been... Madam Irene White, the association leader for the Zambian heritage in the state of 
Illinois, Chicago. So until next time, ladies and gentlemen, if there are topics that you want us to discuss, share on the radio, feel free to reach out to some of us. And we are just 10 seconds away from our uh, end of our program, so I would like to thank you all for joining us. Till next time, thank you. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.